Welcome to the SEO Insider with your host, Seth Price, founder of Blue Shark, taking you inside the world of legal marketing and all things digital. Welcome, everyone. We are thrilled to have Ray from EvenUp, co-founder and COO. Welcome, Ray. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. You know, I am so excited to have you here because I feel like you guys were like, you know, you know, had it sort of paid your dues. And the moment that the rest of the world woke up to AI, you're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is what you've been looking for the whole time. So, uh, you know, really, congratulations on this the run the last few weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely recall a time where uh, we used to pitch AI to, to lawyers and they would respond to us with, with like, how is AI even going to help us at all? Like, how is AI even supposed to help me do my job? What is AI? And then now, I got to tell you, they frankly still are. I, I still have that reaction. I was just uh, talking to you before we got on. It was just in the uh, Washington Business Journal. And it was like talking to them, it, it, basically the legal community as a whole. Forget about the plaintiff's world that you circle around, right? Which is a little bit more entrepreneurial. Um you know, there, yes, the owners of organizations know that it needs to happen. Some do, some don't. But the idea that as you go into the trenches, there's great resistance. Um, and the thing that my talking point has been, look, AI is really cool. And just like when I was at US law in the late 90s, trying to tell people they needed a place online, we're like, why would we ever go online? We have yellow pages. You know, that was literally the answer we would got. We had to fight to get somebody to to give to give them a free directory listing or a free profile, um, more or less get them to pay. God forbid that was like, you know, that was, it, it would be the, the cost of acquiring a customer was just so crazily expensive. But what what what, sh what strikes me and like ChatGBT has been the first manifestation for many people not of AI going in the background. Like you love it when Google tells you how to finish your sentence, you know, putting you, you know, moving you to BCC, you know, they know what you're about to say before you do. But I feel like what we saw, this is the, the, the convergence of, okay, cool technology. It's going to go huge. Right now, people are using it kind of sloppy. We already saw the high profile case of a lawyer using it badly. That said, it's, it is a tool and like, just like you wouldn't turn in your law clerk's work blindly to a court, you wouldn't use a library that is unvetted to create documents. And I'm guessing that ChatGPT could give you a demand letter, but that the better answer is to have a vetted library of information from which the AI is pulling. Absolutely. Like, uh, Put another way, the way I kind of describe it and describe ChatGPT's technology essentially is like ChatGPT, you can think of ChatGPT as like your regular household dog, right? Your, your regular household dog. And, and what you can expect of your household dog to do is like sit, stay, come down, like basic commands like that. But if you want your dog to perform specialized tasks, like a, a police dog or a service dog, you know, a guide dog, it's going to require specialized training. And that's where we are the specialized, we are the specialized training for ChatGPT essentially. So we give it the, con the context that it needs to uh, basically understand um, in terms of how to read and interpret medical records and how to transform that into summaries, all of that kind of stuff. We give it the context so that it can actually perform these specialized tasks within you know, the, the, the PI space and specifically in terms of like the demand letters that we produce. So 
Um, that, that's my analogy, essentially. And so tell me, give us the background. I mean, like you, you, it's, you're, it's, you, you've come to the scene, but that this, you know, I, we spoke a number of, uh, a couple of years back when you were trying to figure out what was the path. Tell me about the story, the Even Up story. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I remember speaking to you like about three years ago, I think it was uh, late of 2020. Um, but yeah, just in terms of how this all came together, really uh, kind of serendipitous in terms of how the three co-founders came together. We all came from different backgrounds, different experiences, but all of those um, experiences really lent themselves well to helping us make this company a great success. Um, and we all had our un unique kind of reasons as to why we were fascinated in terms of what cases were actually settling for. So personal and, injury lawsuits. And, and from the and top so, level, what were those three skill sets? I'm always curious about what was it that came together to make this happen? Yeah. Yeah. So like in terms of, uh, for instance, my co-founder and our CEO, Rami. Uh, so Rami, his background, he, um, you know, he was at an early stage startup that went from zero to 50 million of annual recurring revenue. They got acquired. He became a tech investor. And then he started actually working at Google's autonomous vehicle uh, unit, Waymo. And so over there, he got a lot of exposure in terms of how many motor vehicle accidents were happening each year. And, and that kind of piqued his interest. Um, Sam, my co-founder and chief uh, product officer, he, um, he was actually a former commercial litigator at a, a big law firm. Um, and essentially, he did a lot of defense work, uh, so insurance defense work for a serious personal injury um, um, lawsuits. And so essentially, um, there's another kind of uh, experience there where he was actually the first, um, um, so he was counsel to the first litigation finance case presented to the Supreme Court of Canada. And so he was always interested in terms of knowing what a case would settle for, basically um, pricing the risk of these personal injury lawsuits. Uh, myself, former consultant, and I started a, um, a previous company, so a VC-backed uh, company in Silicon Valley in the education space. Um, my personal story that kind of ties me to the mission of what we're doing here at Even Up is kind of, it's actually a, a much sadder one. Um, so essentially, uh, my dad in 2004, he was involved in a catastrophic motor vehicle accident. And so that left our family, um, you know, basically in shambles. Uh, we, we, we uh, essentially, it was like a crazy case where, you know, high-speed police chase where uh, the police were actually um, chasing down a shooter. And this, this person actually ended up uh, running into my dad who was crossing the intersection, just trying to go to work in the morning and it split my dad's car in half. And so of course, over the next three years, as many um, attorneys would, would kind of know how this story plays out, but the insurance carriers were just lowballing the crap out of my family. And my mom was working multiple jobs just to put food on the table. And then ultimately what happened is my dad didn't want to see her working so hard. So we were crumbling financially. And so what happened was my dad took an early settlement uh, not really knowing what his case was worth, the representation that we had didn't really uh, kind of give him any advice uh, against the decision he was making. And ultimately, we walked away with $200,000 for a family of five. And I mean, $200,000 for two immigrant parents was a lot of money for them to look at. They're like, wow, this is more money than we ever saw at one moment in our life. But it was definitely not enough for a family of five to survive off of for the rest of our lives. And so it's kind of, this is, this is where I see that serendipitous tie in terms of like 
that experience, I never looked back on this industry and was like, I'm going to be like Batman and solve this problem. But ultimately, um, it did make me more entrepreneurial where it's led me down this path in life to meet the co-founders that I have today and start this business so that we can essentially prevent other families um, from going through the same you know, struggle that we did or, or try to help them get a better result. Gotcha. So, so what was the light bulb moment where you were, you, you had stuff and I know early on you were looking at fund the funding component, but you guys seem to have doubled down on the, on the demand component here. What's, what's the, so what was the light bulb moment as far as just figuring out that leveraging uh, that, that, that there was a better mousetrap out there for demands? For sure. In terms of um, kind of how we started and, and as you referenced, like we started out with funding uh, personal injury losses. So building technology that basically um, helps underwrite and price the risk of these personal injury lawsuits. And essentially, we were trying to provide uh, the most affordable kind of financing for these personal injury lawsuits um, to help them essentially gun for the you know, maximum amount that they could settle for and the amount that those clients deserve. Uh, so extend that financial runway. And then by way of that, it was supposed to be a mechanism to gather as much data as possible in terms of understanding what cases we're selling for behind closed doors. So essentially be party to those cases and be privy to that information. That said, um, a lot of that um, data that we were acquiring at that time was kind of skewed. And obviously um, it, it was a, a kind of more difficult uh, approach in terms of gathering that data. And so one of the things that we tried to learn more about is how can we um, offer up our technology in terms of you know, what we were using internally to underwrite these cases, how could we offer that to law firms like, like yourself? So actually you were like the third law firm that we spoke to back in the day doing like the early research on this, but we were trying to help firms like figure out, okay, can we help you compute the damages for um, each element of loss, like pain and suffering, loss of earnings, loss of services, all of this kind of stuff. And what the conversations kind of led to is many folks like yourself encouraged us to, to basically look into demand packages. It's like the most valuable thing that you could do, not only in terms of analyzing uh, these damages and telling us like, you know, what, what these damages are worth, but helping us draft this entire demand package, this legal document, um, that would be super helpful. It was a huge but, pain point. It's a huge pain point for, for law firms. Correct. And, and, you know, I think a lot of law firms at the very beginning, they were like, they thought we were crazy. It was kind of a joke. It's like, you should just draft our, you should just draft our, the whole demand package for us. And then we, um, they didn't really expect us to actually do that. And then we're like, why don't we try? And so we started down on this path. This is way before generative AI was even a thing. Right. right. And um, essentially started down this path, trying to build our own models in terms of um, um, essentially training machines to parse through the medical records, understand things like what are the injuries and the associated ICD codes and draw that information out and essentially transform that into pros. Um, essentially, uh, we were kind of on that path long before this, this ever began. And then when this generative AI stuff hit, it's just like, finally, this moment where it's just like, <laughs> we, we were on the right path in terms of right how path. we were thinking about this. And 
and then are those models that mixing, is there a human element to it or is it, you know how how are you balancing the ai approach because this is what a, the reason i ask is you know well again using this you know viral legal place where somebody did nothing with human elements and obviously you're giving somebody a draft that they're going to be looking at at their firm anyway god willing so right they're not hopefully not turning this over blindly that that the, but but with that the whole point is it's close like and the idea is there should be yeah. should be at the point where you're not missing there's no fake case law you know you 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 have everything you have should make sense is it perfect no but where how are you mixing um the 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 AI technology with human elements before it gets back to a law firm for sure um so in terms of just how uh humans play a big role in this so humans are in the loop we always call this a human in the loop process is very much within the quality assurance kind of stage. And so every demand that we produce with our models, uh, of, of which these models have been trained by people who actually know what they're doing. So uh, whether that be former defense counsel, ex-claim adjusters, uh, top paralegals, uh, um, um, essentially nurses that help us label the critical pieces of information within the doc these documents and train the AI to understand how to locate them and extract them. Um, every demand that we produce is reviewed by this team of folks. So essentially we call them legal operations or our even up squadron, but essentially um, everything is reviewed before it goes out to the, uh, the attorneys or the firms that we work with, because at the end of the day, our whole goal is to ensure that, you know, um, everything that we produce is quality, right? And, and you're relying on us to basically produce the, the highest of quality demands that, I mean, essentially in a way that you would have done it yourself if you had all the time in the world to do so. And so it, it is a, at the utmost importance for us to make sure that quality and turnaround times are, um, you know, basically maintained for our firms. And uh, essentially, um, that's why we actually have this huge emphasis on quality assurance and having people within the U.S. who have actually practiced within personal injury in this space, reviewing every single thing that the model is, is trained on, as well as all the outputs that come out of it. Well, Ray, you, you were you know sort of ahead of the curve, hitting this this really nicely here. Where do you see this going next? I mean, that's what everybody's trying to figure out, right? So, you know, from a marketing point of view, we are reticent, particularly with ChatGPT being sort of the forerunner, and that Google has no incentive to reward people for using a Microsoft product. That's me being the cynical person. But where do you? So, but there's so much stuff that you know at every level. We have task force with both my law firm and the marketing company to sort of, where can we put AI in? Where can we test it? Where can we play with it? What excites you? What are the areas you think short-term and long-term we're going to see AI in the, uh, the legal space? Yeah, I guess uh, speaking from our own point of view, we've, I mean, recently launched some pretty big products or features um, uh, within our system. So of course, um, we're starting a lot of integrations with different practice management systems. So we actually kicked off a, a, the first kind of, uh, of integrations uh, with Litify. And essentially, um, uh, there's a lot of things in store to come there. I can't mention all of them just because it's like it's up and coming. Um, but that said, um, you know, th this is uh, let me just say it's more than just being able to request a demand out of uh, at the click of a button from these uh, practice management systems. So working with a lot of the leading uh, practice management systems there to launch uh, additional features that basically will leverage our AI in terms of um, uh, helping you uh, essentially do things like summarizing medical records, uh, you know, at the click of a button or 
um, checking if there's any missing bills, records, or providers uh, at the instance that you actually upload the records into the system. So things like that. Um, there's a lot of things that are coming down the pipeline, but uh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, like other you, things like you you see the, the the just from the from the chat you you see chat and you see uh, a number of these other bots that listen to to webinars and such. And the ability to organize that information is amazing. You know, I what I keep saying is it's cool in its raw form. You know, the home run is when you have that in, mm -hmm. when it when it really knows what it's doing and where it needs to find stuff because again. It, you know, as we've seen 4.0, it's pretty darn good. The fact that you're able to sort of say, hey, these are the summaries we want. Let's work to make sure that these salient points are always pulled out. As you start mapping it, the results have got to get scary, scary good. And and this is actually a good point to mention. Um, so we, we, we've obviously actually released uh, our own um, personal injury AI legal assistant uh, so it's called Liddy. And so it's very similar in terms of how you would prompt ChatGPT to do things, but Liddy is actually experienced in PI. And so you can actually have Liddy produce like um, the facts narrative uh, within your demand for you at the click of a button after just giving it a few prompts, or you can have it summarize some key pieces of the medical records for you. Um, but Liddy is constantly evolving and we, we have a lot of exciting changes uh, um, yeah, is this, is this a standalone product or is this something that you that only even up clients have access to? Currently, it's a it's a product that only even up customers have access to. And, and so they're, of course, uh, uh, giving us a lot of feedback in terms of what they want to see Liddy be able to perform for them, kind of be like their Iron Man suit. Um, but the really cool thing, and, and um, this is actually one thing that I feel like folks kind of misunderstand. And the reason why I, I, I wanted to um, paint that analogy of like how ChatGPT works. There's a lot of these solutions, these kind of chat bots or AI assistants that are coming out that um, they all look the same, right? Like you can all, uh, you can ask them to do things and then they'll able, be able to produce some sort of result. But one thing that, you know, I encourage folks to do is just make sure that they're, they're checking in terms of like what, um, what solutions they're using are actually called ChatGPT wrappers versus solutions that are more similar to ours, where it's like actually um, chat GPT integrated with a database of like very kind of subject mat uh, matter, uh, specific subject matter, like expertise, like that database uh, of knowledge that trains it to do what it needs to do um, in the right way. And so the, the chat GPT wrappers, there's a lot of ways to, that you can actually test if what you're using is a chat GPT wrapper. So for example, um, there's some tools where you can see it's like, was this output produced by just chat GPT alone? And so if you feed that output what, through what, there. Which tools uh, do you like best for that? Because we're, uh, that, that one of the things that concerns me is that the commercially available ones are not nearly as good as what, again, I'm putting on my marketing hat for a second, right? So from the marketing world, like we could get rid of writers. No, Google knows what is AI created content for the moment but the consumer-based ones are not as sophisticated clear as what Google has behind the curtain. What do you like? What, what are you using to sort of determine it? Oh, I don't have any off the top of my head, yeah. but what I'll do is I'll produce a list for you to actually link in the description. No, 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 absolutely. I, it's one of those areas that is in the marketing world is so needed. Just like when we started, we had Copyscape was like a big deal because, okay, now we can tell whether or not somebody's taking this from somebody else's website. You know, what we want to make sure absolutely. is 
the analogy in the marketing space is the spammy links of about 10, 15 years ago, when you could basically put crap links out, they worked, Google said, don't do it. And then eventually it penalized the sites. I'm hearing rumblings and they're all anecdotal that Google really can tell what is produced this way. What concerns me, like the piece that I'm waiting to sort of see the 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 um, this this narrow, is that most of the commercially available ones right now are just inconsistent. You know, you I've seen stuff where we've written it by hand and it tells us it's done by bots. It's not it's not really like anything else. It's catching up. It'll figure it out, but it isn't quite you know ready for prime time. So I to me selfishly, I need to get that in place to protect myself. Because the last thing I ever want to do is be caught ca with my pants down. Where somebody's like, "Hey, you're putting ChatGPT content on my site." I'm like, you know, we're you you're only as good as the humans you have behind you, and making sure that we do everything. Now, obviously, we're editing. It's not going up as is, but Google could tell. Oh, that's eighty percent ChatGPT, and you decided to put some lipstick on it. That's absolutely correct. And then I guess just in terms of the, the field of, of legal, uh, the field of law, um, it's even more important because like, you know, that the, 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 the story that you referenced at the beginning, um, the, the lawyer in New York that basically cited these like fake cases um, within, yeah, essentially this is, that's where hallucinations come from. If you're just using ChatGPT alone and it's not working off of a specialized uh, right. database. But, but that's the extreme set. extreme, right? Let's let's get rid of the extreme. Right. Let's go to the real, you know, like Westlaw is now putting, you know, AI, you know, processes in place. Like there's no doubt, I mean, Fastcase got sold or acquired or whatever to, in order simply to be able to have a, a, a trusted library. So it's coming, but I want to conclude with this. You know, we see the things right now. Like, there's stuff that's like in the in the foreground, right? That you're there. Okay, like, yes, we're gonna have summaries done. We're gonna have we're gonna have demands done. There's gonna be a lot of stuff. But what are the things that you don't know how it's gonna be done now? But you bet that with the speed that we're going, it's not gonna be long before this or that. You know, that, that the AI is gonna be able to get us to stuff that's beyond that. Are we gonna get to the point where clients? You know, you have chatbots that are probably better than the um, you know, international labor that does the AI, that does the chatting, how long before a client experience with a law firm is there? Like, what are the pieces that you think that like, you know, it, it's hard to get labor. Are you going to have an option of getting bot answers versus speaking to somebody where we're like, what, what's not tomorrow, next month, but like what's 2025? Oh, I absolutely believe that this is like all of this technology that's spinning up today is going to be able to help us deliver better client experiences for sure. Like in the ways that we can hook it up either to um, say uh, uh, basically communicate via text with your clients and, and extract critical pieces of information from them in terms of like, like kind of like a survey format, but in a more human way, as if somebody was actually texting them these questions and trying to understand like how did, you know, how did this, uh, this, this, this accident kind of turn your life upside down. How, um, you know, what what are things that you can no longer do today that you used to be able to do before? It's like having AI actually drive those questions that people are actually, you know, speaking with their clients over the phone about. That's going to be like something that I see um, in the very near future. Something that AI can basically serve as that Iron Man suit for. And then that's also going to help us basically not only deliver more of a human experience and a, a 
higher quality experience for our clients in terms of doing everything that we can to get them the requisite information that we need to basically help work up the value of their case. It's like, it's also going to facilitate, um, uh, you know, better, better word of mouth and, and referrals and, um, you know, just result in happier clients. So. Well, and, and my guess is that whether it's even up or somebody else, that we're, we're seeing the ability for like responses to emails, even from ChatGBT, pretty strong. Not that it doesn't mm. need to be edited, but I wouldn't be surprised if the protocol of firms within by the end of 2024 is to have an AI response generated as a draft from emails sent that are then approved by a case manager and that the case manager will not be drafting responses, but that there will be a proposed response that somebody will read that thing, make sure it's right, but that you will not be, you will be editing, not drafting responses to emails before we know it. Absolutely. I actually see, uh, I should link you an article. I believe um, Salesforce is actually already doing that right now. And so of course, I think that a lot of folks within marketing and sales, um, they are kind of like looking into that and taking advantage of technologies like that. But like, it's, it's only a matter of time where law firms can be basically leveraging right. the same things. And, and look, so, law firms are going to have to be the last to adopt. But when you look at stuff like you're on vacation, you need a tour operator, you want to be able to book things. And I remember I was, I was in Hawaii uh, for a mastermind earlier this year, and the, we ended up doing a, a, an excursion with a guy. He was a great guy, took us out. He had surf lessons and paddle boarding on the north end of, the, of Oahu. But like he's sitting there on the paddle board taking calls from potential people. And there's nothing better than the phone. I get that. But if you could go and do 90% of what needs to happen with the basic information, just like we're seeing the chatbots now, I think as that gap goes, you'll come for the personal piece, but that that interpersonal piece, the, the non-interpersonal piece is going to have a lot of preform, you know, and the idea that it's between nothing and that, um, it, it, it is, it is not, it is not far away. I absolutely agree. I, the way I describe it is just putting more of a human, like AI helping us introduce more of a human element back into our practices, not not taking away from, from the, the human experience, if anything. Um, that's what a lot of people uh, tend to believe, but I, I believe it's the opposite. Well, Ray, this is exciting times. Congrats for you and your team at Even Up. I appreciate you making the time today. I know you're real busy and uh, can't wait to see what's in store next. Thank you so much, Seth. I, I really appreciate you uh, letting me tell the story here. Absolutely. Catch up soon. Thank you for tuning in to the SEO Insider with Seth Price. Be sure to check back next week for fresh insights into building your brand's online presence. Episodes are available to stream directly on Blue Shark Digital's website.